Jenny's doing well. A number of you have been asking how she is. Praise the Lord, she's doing really well. She, um, for those who aren't aware, Jenny had some, my wife had some major spinal surgery Tuesday before last, up in Middlesex, on her own for five days with no visitors. She's an absolute trooper. As you know, she's amazing, isn't she? And uh, ever since HDU, the ITU department, the day after, that was for 24 hours, not even that, where she had a morphine pump, which it turns out wasn't always working because they'd knocked it out the wall. Uh, besides that, she's been on her normal meds. So that's a good sign about her recovery. She's just got to learn to pace herself and not overdo it. She's got a couple of socks off the lower rung of the area to help me out and ruined herself for the rest of the day. So uh, I've told her off. She's been berated. And uh, she's doing brilliantly, and it won't be long before you see her. Um, right, this morning, I am going to preach on the third and last in our little mini-series we've just done, just as we stepped into 2022. We just wanted to look at just um, a few of the basic building blocks of the Christian life, what it means to follow Jesus, and to um, just help ensure sure we're striding into 2022 with our best foot forward. And so a couple of weeks ago, if you remember, um, Bob spoke about uh, feasting on the Bible, feasting on God's Word, did that brilliantly. And uh, if you can remember the 14 points, <laughs> come on, name them. No, I'm joking. Um, and then uh, last week, uh, David spoke about growing in prophecy. How can we grow in the prophetic as well? It's a really important building block in the Christian life, as we believe as a church with New Testament values. Prophecy should not be for- forgotten, but should be eagerly desired. Are we doing that? And today, I want to talk about how can we help make disciples? How do we do that? What is that all about? Now, note the word we. How can we help make disciples? We'll get onto that in a minute. It's not just about me. It's about us. So that's what I want to talk about. Um, just, just a quick note. Um, an obvious building block of the Christian life is prayer. We haven't forgotten it. It's just that we're very aware, we're heading very quickly towards our March prayer month, coming up very soon. For the fourth year running, we'll be having a whole month focusing on and investing in prayer yet again. So we thought we'd just save that till then, we'll do that at length for a whole month. Coming up soon, March prayer month. But today, like I say, how can we help make disciples? I mean, a particular danger of being Christians in a secular world, or that's what it's termed as, it's not a secular world, it's still a spiritual world, but it's a world, our Western modern world, our society is one that quite happily parks the spiritual realm to one side, effectively. And it's over there if I need it, but it doesn't need to affect my everything, is really what is meant by a secular world that we live in. And the danger of living in a society like that is that even our own Christian walk can get affected and infected by that, and we can become compartmentalised. My Christian life is for certain moments put in a box for certain times of the week or certain days of the week rather than actually the 24-7 constant flow of walking with Jesus and that being a natural everyday all-day posture you know things like I read the Bible when during my diary moments and if I've missed that moment in the day then it doesn't happen that can be just an attitude we can unconsciously sometimes absorb or when I think about it yeah actually I find I pray when the going gets tough, rather than being prayerful 
all the time, pray without ceasing and so on. It can be a danger that we can fall into. Oh, I, do group, I do small group because it's the expected thing or people notice if I'm not there or I'm not involved or, or even just when it comes to character and integrity. You know, me in the workplace can be very different to me in the home, can also be a very different person to me in church, for example. Our Christian life can become compartmentalised because of the culture we live in, can seep in. And this, what I've just described, that may not be all of us all the time, I'm not suggesting that, but at the very least, these are easy things that we can fall into without realising it. And we are human, and our best intentions can slip, and God knows that, and he's a good father. He understands that. But if discipleship is meant to be an all-encompassing lifestyle, then what I've just been describing, for example, doesn't fit with that, does it? So what is the key to it all? How can we ensure that we increasingly are true disciples at heart? What I want to do just for the next 20, 25 minutes is just to explore the heart of discipleship, just explore really what it is, and along the way we'll discover practical outworkings of that that will increasingly become evident as we catch its heartbeat. So let's start. What is discipleship? If ever you, you're asked or you're thinking to yourself, what, what does that word mean? Discipleship, how can I describe that? It's an easy way to describe that. Discipleship, in the Christian context, is about getting closer to Jesus. It's a nice, easy, simple way. Discipleship is about getting closer to Jesus. Because to be a disciple, the word simply means a follower, a student. And even in our English spelling of disciple, that, we take that from the Latin for um, a pupil, for a learner, and discipline, that's where discipline comes from, and so on and so forth. A disciple is a follower, is a student. So, for example, a disciple of any ilk is someone who sits at the feet of someone who is perhaps wiser, or they're more experienced. It's about learning on the job alongside your master. So there's been disciples of different kinds over the, over the centuries. I mean, in the religious realm, for example, there have been disciples of Buddha. There was such a thing, the followers of Buddha's way of life and Buddha's teachings. Or in the realm of philosophy, you can have disciples of Confucius or Plato or Aristotle. And, and in fact, Socrates taught Plato and Plato taught Aristotle and Aristotle taught Alexander the Great, who then affected the rest of the world and the Greek thinking. Some of our thinking and the way our brains work is because of those guys in that order. There's a discipleship in the world of philosophy and how our mindsets work Socrates taught Plato, taught Aristotle, taught Alexander the Great. It's a direct lineage of discipleship, mentoring and learning and following along there. But even in modern days, you can have, uh, there's been disciples of Sigmund Freud and his teachings, even disciples of David Icke. Bless them, Lord save them. But so when it comes to Christianity, a disciple, therefore, is someone who follows Christ, Christianity. We follow Christ. We're following Jesus of Nazareth as the Son of God. We're sitting at his feet, learning to walk in his ways. So, I mean, Jesus literally, he talks about what it means to be a follower of him because he literally says in Mark chapter 1 and John chapter 1, he literally says the two words, follow me. Follow me. It's about getting closer to Jesus because to follow Jesus is to therefore head in his direction and therefore walk in his footsteps and therefore get closer to him. And so to disciple someone in the Christian life is to be helping someone get closer to Jesus. And to be discipled is someone coming alongside you and helping you get closer 
to Jesus. And as a community together, it's helping each other. Let's all work out how we can get each other to get closer to Jesus. That's simply all it is. Getting closer to Jesus, both individually and as a community. So what does that look like? Well, I've just come up, just to, uh, there's many more, but I've just come up with three traits of Christian discipleship to help us grasp its very heartbeat. Matthew 28, you probably guessed those verses will pop up. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, the famous great commission that Jesus gives to his disciples and therefore to us. Let's just read those verses. Matthew 28 from verse 18. Jesus says this, he gathered the disciples, the 11 disciples, because Judas has now gone awry. He's gathered the 11 disciples to him after his resurrection and he says to them, verse 18, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Even just in there, we can just suddenly grasp, yeah, all authority has been given to me. Go, therefore, make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them to observe, teaching them to guard all that I've been teaching you. Discipleship, therefore, we discover straight away. It's not about getting someone to church and getting them to pray a special prayer. That's not what it's about. Discipleship is an active process with many elements along the way that lead to growth in depth, growth in maturity, as well as simple numbers and ticking boxes. That's not what it's about. It's about maturity together as a community. We just need to note that word go. When he says, all authority has been given to me, go therefore. That word go, that is active. We've got to do something. We've got to go. It's, it's not something that happens by accident. You don't absorb discipleship just by hanging around. It doesn't quite work like that. You've got choices to make. You need to take steps. You need to be intentional. and You need to learn to pass on what you've been given. But also, even in that word, the way it's written in that text, the word isn't just about go and do it when you get there, wherever there is. Not, that's not what it's saying. That's part of it. You need to go to all the nations, for example. But also, it contains an element of as you are going. As you are going, be making disciples. Wherever you are, whether you've got there or not, be making disciples along the way. Discipleship is ongoing for us as we go about our Christian walk. That's the first trait of Christian discipleship. It's ongoing. It's ongoing for us because it's 24-7 always on, if you like. It's intentional and it's active. But it's also ongoing in terms of generational as well. It's ongoing beyond us as well. It should be. It's generational. It's about multiplying. It's something that is self-replicating. The, the, the implications in that text, what's implicit in there is that it's not just make disciples who then just stop it. If you're making disciples, they're going to make disciples. It's about making disciples who make disciples. There's a legacy to this. If those original disciples hadn't fully understood the assignment, we might not be here today. Like, thanks Jesus, that's great. I've learned lots about you. No, they put it into practice to pass on to others who would pass it on. Jesus ensured that his good news would have lasting, replicating implications and the disciples picked that up and ran with it. And then not long after, a few years later, we discover, you read in the book of Acts, the apostle Paul he was on the receiving end of that from those very disciples and he learned to continue it also. 
If you look in uh, 2 Timothy, chapter 2, verse 2, Paul says to Timothy, who is his spiritual son in the faith, Paul is saying to him, what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So Paul, who's been on the receiving end of the original disciples, who originally received this first commission, they've invested in Paul, he's invested in Timothy, he's saying to Timothy, invest in faithful men who will invest in, in others beyond them as well. Straight away in that sentence, there's five generations, immediately. But then Paul also says, another way of putting it, in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1, Paul says, simply, be imitators of Christ. Oh, sorry, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. And when I read that sentence, be imitators of me as I am of Christ, suddenly there's a big question for me. Can I ask that of other people? Can I ask other people, imitate me as I imitate Jesus? Can I ask that out loud? Can I honestly stand up with all conviction and good conscience and go, imitate me as I imitate Jesus? That's a good question to ask, isn't it? Not do what I say, don't do what I do. Hypocritical. That's all mouth and no trousers, isn't it? But this is about a truly lived out loud, Jesus-honouring life to be mirrored in those we have influence over. There's an onus on modelling in the Christian life. Paul imitated Christ for others to follow and beyond that. As well, Christian discipleship is ongoing. That's the first trait. The second one um, is that it's fully rounded. It's all-encompassing. Jesus, in, in Matthew 28 there, he just said, you're going to all the world, make disciples, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. See, everything that Jesus taught and inferred and modelled out loud and implicitly, everything it proves to be a way of life that affects every aspect of our lives, every ounce of our being. Psalm chapter 1. Again, a fairly famous passage to many of you, I'm sure, but turn to Psalm chapter 1. I'm just going to read the first few verses. Psalm 1, just the first three verses says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. Stand this here, that God's people who don't who don't follow a sinful lifestyle, but follow him and, and immerse themselves in his word. Their delight is in his word. They're like trees. God's people, you and me, are like trees. And a tree is a tree is a tree. It doesn't compartmentalize. You go, it's Tuesday, won't be a tree today. I'll be a beaver. I'll have a go at them trees. See what it's like. Shoes on the other boot now. Oh, was it foot, not boot? A tree is a tree is a tree. It doesn't stop being a tree. It doesn't compartmentalise. And what do trees do? They, if they're healthy, they grow. And they grow upwards and they grow outwards. And most importantly, in order to do that, they grow downwards. They get rooted as well. Let's just look at those. 
growing down, being rooted in Christ. So important, so vital. About feasting on his word. Is his word, is the law of the Lord my delight? Another good question to ask, isn't it? Is this my delight? Or is this my duty? Is it something I have to do every day? Or is this my delight? Very, very different, isn't it? Am I getting rooted in him by feasting on his word, as Bob was talking about a couple of weeks ago? But then prayer as well. Do I have an open channel, always live conversation with God? Or do I do it only at a certain minute or two after I've read my Bible in the morning, I'll do a minute and then that's it. I don't pray again till the next day if I remember. Or is my prayer life a conversation with my Heavenly Father? Walking in the Spirit as well. Walking in step with the Spirit is in tandem with that. Am I always having a conversation and listening out for his nudges and his voice and asking for his help and seeking what he wants to say to me? Feasting on his word, praying, walking in the Spirit. Every day it's about digging a little deeper. The Christian life is all about these little things and these little choices that soon add up. And it's easy to let them slip, isn't it? There's a, a film, a Kate Blanchett film. She's one of my favourite actresses and she plays Queen Elizabeth uh, in a couple of films. And in the second film, The Golden Age, uh, there's this wonderful scene where she welcomes Ro- uh, Walter, Sir Walter Raleigh into her chambers. And she has a conversation with him about he's, he's, been, to find, he's been, been across the Atlantic Ocean to find the new world. She goes, what's that like? Day after day after day of all you see on that horizon is just sea. All you see. How do you, how do you keep doing that? How do you keep yourself going? And he says it's simple. He says it's four things. He says every day you study your charts, you watch your compass, you pray for a fair wind and hope. Every day you study your charts, Watch your compass, pray for a fair wind, and hope. That's a great summary of the everyday Christian life. Study your charts, read your word, delight in his law. Study your charts, where am I? How am I doing? What do I need to learn here today? What do I need to check? How can I navigate today? Study your charts. So study your charts, watch your compass. Keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. Is my heart truly directed towards true north? Or is it directed towards other things? Holy Spirit, help me out here. Listen out for Holy Spirit's voice, his nudges. Watch your compass. Pray for a fair wind. Keep praying every day, all day. Praying for a fair wind, for for God's intervention and his favour and his blessing in situations. Praying for the climate to change. Praying for a fair wind and hope. Every day, no matter what you're facing, place it in the context of Christ and what he's called you into, what he's saved you from, and what he's promised ahead. One day, on that horizon, we're going to see that new world. There's a hope there that is guaranteed because it's in his word. That's the everyday Christian life, isn't it? And we can easily let those little things drop, the seemingly little things, they're not. Study your charts, watch your compass, pray for a fair wind, and hope. Feasting on his word, prayer, Holy Spirit, don't forget. Getting rooted in Christ on a daily basis. But then trees, if they're healthily rooted, they also grow upwards and outwards. They grow up, it's about standing tall for Christ because then you'll end up naturally, you won't be able to help it, just speaking out his truths and living them out loud in our our conduct and our love for one another and our love for others, our love for our neighbours, particularly those who 
who would normally be ignored or reviled. It's, it's our place to go, no, 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 I'm stepping in here, I'm going to love you. It's about being a prophetic voice in whatever context we find ourselves, calling others through, through words and actions, calling others to find their forever home in him. And the more we're rooted in him, the more we will stand tall for him. It's about growing down and growing up. But it's also about growing out, having wide branches of influence. We're kingdom bringers. If you're his, you're a kingdom bringer. How are you doing? Because the more we're rooted in him, the more we can't help fighting injustice, speaking out for the voiceless, proclaiming the gospel with words and works and wonders, being salt and light. Jesus describes us in Matthew chapter 5. He says, you're, you're, you're salt. What does salt do? Salt melts the ice, for starters. Are you that kind of person who melts the ice in situations? Do you seek that for him? Salt preserves food as well, doesn't it? Wherever you are at any, any given moment, are you preserving his good, righteous kingdom values? Are you preserving? And salt adds flavor as well, doesn't it? Do you add flavour for Jesus? Are you that person? We're salt and we're also light. And light simply expels darkness. We should be those people. With his help. Those who expel darkness and point to him. It's about being salt and light in our homes, in our workplaces, at the school gates, in the shops. Wherever we are, anywhere, and at any given moment where you might have influence you have the opportunity to be the one who, with Holy Spirit's help, you get to be the mood setter. If there's a certain atmosphere in an office, with Holy Spirit's help, you can be the one who helps bring that change. Or at least try. The rest is up to him. But we shouldn't join in with that and mould in and die. Oh, it's a gossipy place and I just end up gossiping. Or it's a moany place and I end up moaning. No, we're the ones who are meant to bring the change about being the mood setters, about being the atmosphere changers, about being the change bringers. With his help, that's what we're called to be. Having wide branches. As God's people heralding his kingdom, we get to be trees with big, wide branches that provide shelter and shade and comfort. People will see something in you and realize you're one that they can talk to. You're one they can open up to. You're one who will love them and receive them. makes all the difference. The more we're rooted in him, the more our branches go far and wide. It's all in the little things too, not just the big gestures, and it all adds up. Christian discipleship is ongoing. Christian discipleship is fully rounded. And the last one, just for now, is two-way. It's about both being a disciple, but also, as I've already said, it's about making disciples as well. A true disciple is actually paying it forward. So a couple of questions just to ask yourselves. Today's full of questions. First one about being a disciple. Are you growing? Are you growing? One of the, the guys, Christian brother, Keith, who's had the, probably one of the greatest influences on me as a, as a mentor in discipling me, he just, that question, time and time again, are you growing? It's a good question. Don't compare yourself to last week or last month. We all, we all go up and down. Compare yourself to last year. It's a good question. Have I grown? Am I different to last year? In what way am I different to last year? How am I doing? What's the fruit in my life? Am I growing in character? And when I look at the list of the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, how am I doing in those areas? 
Have I grown? Do I need to grow in some of those areas? Am I becoming more like Jesus? It's a simple question, but it's got some profound implications to it, isn't it? How am I doing? And maybe this week, just sit down and pray over that question. Am I growing? Look at the, the, the Galatians list for the fruit of the Spirit. It's like, do I need help? Is there something I need help with? Is there some area I need to be vulnerable about and honest about and I need to open up about? Is there something I need to repent of? Is there something I need to step into? And I know he's been calling me to and I've been resisting. Let's ask for his help and then ask for others' help. We can help each other then. Are you growing? But then when it comes to making disciples as well, paying it forward, are you also helping to pay this forward? Who are you investing in? To whom can you say, imitate me as I imitate Jesus? I know it's a big question, but it's one we need to be asking of ourselves. Not to induce a guilt trip, but to let Holy Spirit do some mighty work. But ultimately, because we're not alone in this. We've got Holy Spirit on our side, but we've got each other. We're given each other. He's called us into a family. We're not saved as a bunch of individuals. We're saved as a people, as a community, as a family. And ultimately, discipleship is a community project. It's not even just the one-to-one stuff. It's a community thing. Sundays is discipleship. Not just when you get together with someone over a cup of tea and do some Bible study. That's the kind of the, the model for discipleship we've kind of adopted over the decades or centuries. There's a good place for that and it's important, but that's not the be all and end all of discipleship. It is ultimately a community project. There's a lovely verse in um, Philippians 1, chapter 27. Paul says to the church there, he says, Let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Side by side, striving side by side. I love that phrase. Striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. You can't be a fully rounded disciple on your own. This is not a place for lone rangers. And I've met some people that I don't do church, been a bit bitten by it. But I'm very close to Jesus. No, you're not. <laughs> if you're close to Jesus, who absolutely loves his church, his bride, despite her faults, then you would be too. It's about striving side by side. It's about us getting closer to Jesus together. So who could you encourage today? Or this week? Or for a season? Who could you be coming alongside and spurring them on? Sundays. Do you turn up here, just turn up here because this is what we do? Do you turn up here thinking, what, what can I bring? What does Holy Spirit want me to bring this morning? How can I, it's not just about contributions during the worship time, that's part of it, but also just how can I encourage my brothers and sisters? Is there someone I need to speak to? Is there someone I need to encourage? How can I serve my brothers and sisters? Physically, practically? setting up and PA and wherever it might be, refreshments, but also emotionally, spiritually. During teas and coffees time, that can still be, should still be discipleship. Eyeballing each other. How are you doing? And then asking again, yeah, but how are you really doing? That follow-up question is <laughs> often necessary. Or am I just sitting here on the receiving end and just getting what I get and then I go home again? How can, I, how can we serve one another? It's a community project. It's even in the, 
Seemingly little things. Jenny, as, as I was explaining about her surgery, she's found it really hard to pick the Bible up in the past couple of weeks. <coughs> some of that physically, <laughs> picking it up. But some of it just emotionally. Just with, with some, some, she's had some down days as well. She's just struggled to pick her Bible up every day. But she's been in a couple of WhatsApp groups that she's been flicking through and seeing how brothers and sisters are sharing verses and praying for one another. And it's given her a massive boost. That it's just like she's not out of it. She's part of a community praying for one another, and chewing over scripture together. It's made a massive difference to her. It's a community project. It's about doing it together, not just on your own. And like I say, it's all in the little things. They make such a difference. Marriage, for example, is not just one huge promise on a particular day and it's done. It's about a daily, ever since then, living in the light of that promise ever since. And so... Not doing so every day, living up to that big promise every day. Obviously, there's big breakings of that promise, but even the little stuff, cherishing one another and wanting the best for one another and promoting the other over yourself and so on. Sometimes we drop the ball on that as married couples, but that doesn't automatically unmarry you in the moment. But all those little choices add up and help that marriage flourish and live. And it's the same here with discipleship. It's all the little things all add up. Same with our Christian walk together as we do that. As a family, makes all the difference. All those little things. When you're having a cup of tea, smile at someone. How are you doing? How, good question. How can I be praying for you this week? Really easy question. That's a really simple one. Little things like that. Christian discipleship is ongoing. It's fully rounded. It's two-way. But the key to all this, however, is not simply we must try harder. The key to this, as I've already said, is with anything in the Christian life, is about spending time with Jesus, getting rooted in him. Right near the beginning, I mentioned about that tree that is rooted down in order to be healthy upwards and outwards. A healthy tree is one that has strong roots. Downward is the key in order to flourish upward and outward. And the more we abide in Jesus, the more, the more our hearts ignite for him to be glorified. You can't help it. The more we abide in him, the more humble we become. The more we abide in him, the more we turn our gaze from what we lose in order to follow him, and instead we end up focusing more on what we gain by following him. But Jesus, he eclipses all of that. The more we abide in Jesus, the more we yearn for others to see what we see. The more we yearn for them to know what we know and have what we have. They're missing out. God, help me to get them closer to you. Let's spend some time in John chapter 15. Jesus talks about abide in me. It's, it's just so rich. The more you spend time in there, like what does it mean to abide? And what does that look like? And what happens when we do? It'll, it'll blow your mind and it'll melt your heart. A wonderful, wonderful passage. And we just learn that as we abide in him, we, that's where we end up bearing much fruit. We don't do it on our own. Because we're not just any old kind of tree. We're not just any tree. We're a particular kind of tree. That's Psalm 1 that we're reading, verse 3. Blessed is the man who delights himself in the law of the Lord. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. We're fruit trees. What is that fruit? It's what I've been describing along the way. It's about character, about becoming more and more like Jesus. It's about blessing others, spurring others to get closer to Jesus for themselves. It's about broadcasting the wonderful news of a God who stepped down into 
uh, our brokenness, amongst broken humanity, and he made a way home for us to, to wholeness and healing. We just, the more we abide in him, the more we can't help telling others. Like, come and see. Come and see. It's about being trees that grow down and up and out, bearing much fruit as a result, and not just doing that alone, but as an orchard. It's who we are. That's church. An orchard, with God willing, a bumper crop. Amen? Yes, Steve. <laughs> oh, there's something to get excited about. That is what we're called to. That is what we're called to. If we're called to be fruit trees bearing much fruit, imagine that as a bumper crop, as an orchard. You see what he's called us to here in little old Herne Bay to have influence and impact beyond. It's not even just about this town. He's got much in store for us. And he's called us to bear, not a little bit of fruit, to bear much fruit. And to do that together and to encourage one another to keep seeking it out because he's promised it. He's promised it. We're the ones who can be on the breaking end of that. Let's do something about it. Let's seek him out and seek out his promises. And that... Doing that together is Christian discipleship. I'm just going to ask some simple questions, because I love questions, as you probably noticed. Some simple questions just to finish. Firstly, ask yourself, am I growing? Am I growing? What have I heard today that might be a bottleneck in my own discipleship? Good question. I'm sure there's something here for all of us. Am I getting rooted in him? What's stopping that? What needs to change? Where can I seek help? Am I growing? Secondly, who am I talking to about Jesus? Am I standing up for him? Am I reaching out for him? In the little ways, in loving my neighbours, and being willing to speak out the truth when the opportunity arises. Am I doing that? Am I growing? Who am I talking to about Jesus? Thirdly, who am I helping grow in their own walk with Jesus? How can I be intentional in that? Pray. Lord, who do you want me to come alongside? Who do you want me to help? What can I, who, who can I see where I see an opportunity to encourage them? It's like, it's brilliant what you did there. I love that. Well, don't just think it. Go and say it. But sometimes we need to be asking him for those prompts to do so. Having wide branches. Who can I be a shelter for? Who can I be a comfort to? Fourth one, last one. Who is helping me grow in my walk with Jesus? Have you invited anyone to do so? Have you actually ever done that? Could you help me? The times I've done that is always paid off. Who is helping me grow in my walk with Jesus? Invite someone to do so. Just say, will you help me? And therefore, let's ensure that by God's grace, with Holy Spirit's help, that together we can be an orchard of life-giving trees. Let's see what Jesus does with that. Amen? Amen. Let me pray. Father, we thank you that this isn't down to us. We have a part to play, but it's a partnership. And we're stepping into something that you've already started and that you will finish. We thank you for that. The promises over us are immense. And it's not because of anything that we've earned, but purely because of what you've earned. And we thank you and we celebrate you. And we ask that even just in this next week and beyond, you just trigger something new in us. Not just as individuals, but as a people, as a body, as a community, to keep seeking out how to spur one another on and to encourage one another, as Hebrews tells us. Help us to seek that out with your help. 
Holy Spirit, will you just breathe something fresh in us and help us? We're here. We offer our hands, our feet, our mouths, our hearts, our minds. We offer them to you. We say, help us to grow. Help us to dig deep. Help us to get rooted ever more in you. That we might have influence for you and your church might grow for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.